Away they go. No problems with the start. There is two one hundred in the second inning. Gary Hall Jr., the extrovert, and Ian Thorpe battling it out down the pool. Thorpe is starting to go away from him. today on the show to go through all things ISL season number three and also touch on the current Paralympics going on in Tokyo at the moment is our expert analyst here on Off the Block Swing podcast, Mr. Bobby Hurley. Bobby, mate, how are you going? And you're on mute, mate. Killing it. What a, what a great start. <laughs> so we do it again or you just cut? No, no, mate. We're going to keep rolling with this. This is this is warts and all here. Expert analyst, mate. How, how are you feeling with, <laughs> I'm that, going good, uh, Robbie. with the new title? Yeah, happy with that. Thanks for that one. Um, but yeah, here to talk about all things swimming. And, and even though the Olympics have passed um, a few weeks ago, there's still a lot of swimming action in the world with, with the ISL regular season kicking off and, um, and the Paralympics about six days in. So um, lots of swimming for everyone to sink their teeth into right now. Yeah, it's a funny one at the moment, isn't it? Because obviously there was a, a somewhat of a come down after the Olympics. There was such a high around that. And we, we were sort of craving for more. Now we've got an overload of swimming. There's a lot going on at the moment. Everywhere you look, is there's, there's something happening in the pools. And we're excited about that as well. It's kind of a, a funny dynamic at the moment, isn't it? Yeah, it is, especially coming off an Olympics for, for probably the traditional followers of the sport. There's normally really nothing happening um, in the swimming world for a couple of months, obviously, besides the, the Paralympics that follow. But um, now with the introduction of the ISL, and, and I think there are some FINA World Cups coming up next month as well. Uh, um, you know, could it to be a professional swimmer these days? There, there's prize money opportunities to be made. And um, as we're seeing, un unfortunately, now as, for, as Australians, you know, as we're seeing on the other side of the world in, in Europe and um, in America, is there they're sort of not in a lockdown situation and they're up and, and traveling and going on holidays and racing at, at competitions and um you know jumping around from country to country so um if i was definitely sort of a national level swimmer right now i'd, I'd love to be in isl and, and um and racing as much as possible absolutely i've been talking uh quite a bit actually to the young guns brendan smith and, and matt temple who are part of uh, the New York Breakers over there, and they're absolutely loving life. They've been over in, in Europe since the Olympics. They did a bit of touring over there, having a look around. They did a little bit of training, not too much, but just enough to, to stay in the water. And um, even since the action's kicked off, I know probably the, you know, the New York Breakers haven't been doing as well as some of the other teams, but I know those boys are really enjoying uh, that team environment. And they, they've definitely mentioned to me that it's something that's a little bit different to, to anything they've done before. Yeah, well, that's the whole model of the ISL that they're trying to, I guess, commercialise the sport of swimming so that it can be a regular season and final season based sport so that it's on TV more. And then, then, then there's more commercial opportunities. And to do that, we, we do have to make it a teams based sport. Um, so with the ISL model now, there's, there's 10 teams, um, 14 men and 14 women at, at any time um, competing on each team. 
and every match has has four teams competing in that. So you're looking at already well over a hundred swimmers associated with every match. Um, so you're seeing that that diversity from from all countries come into it, and it, and it's fun. It, it looks fun. Um, there's commentators and announcers that are uh, not as traditional as what we're used to seeing. <laughs> there's flashing lights. There's cool team uniforms. Um, there's mixed relays. So it's a really different outlook on the sport, but it's swimming's been such a, a traditional sport over the last hundred years. It, it hasn't changed a whole lot, um, but this is throwing a big curveball into it. And it's good to see so many swimmers um, um, excited to, to take part in it. Matt, a little bit retired now. Does watching the action over there make you uh, excited and, and keen to dip a toe back in the water and have a slash at another quick 50? Oh, 100%. Um, three years retired, but I'd like to think I could still do a quick 50-metre backstroke, but not as quick as the times uh, uh, Coleman Stewart's throwing down right now. But, mm. um, I mean, I did. I pretty much did every FINA World Cup circuit from, from about 2008 to, to 2016. So um, with that core group of swimmer, international swimmers that were doing all those, uh, all the travelling and all that racing at that time with, with Katinka Hoshu and Chad LeClos and, you know, Mitch Larkin was there a lot of the time. Um, you know, we talked and, and we we dreamt about something like this, um, if it was possible and and if it would take off and if it would be popular to, to watch and popular to participate in. Um, so I'd like to think that the group that tried to really professionalise um, consistent swimming, not talking sort of Olympic level swimming or, or once a year high, high level events, but but regular fast sea, uh, swimming traveling around the world um i'd like to think that that we played a part in in helping make a league like this happen um you know if there was ever an australian team and they needed a, a backstroke of a 50 meters I'll, I'll put my hand up but um <laughs> we'll see what happens in the future well it's definitely an exciting time and as you said so much of sometimes our sport is you know, we always do what we've always done and very stuck in our ways, but uh, it's an exciting time because there's a lot of variety and a lot of different stuff going on. Talk to me about how excited you are uh, with the announcement, obviously, of the ASL coming to Australia. I think it was meant to do somewhat of a kickoff at the end of this year. COVID's messed that about. It's definitely going to be happening next year. The ASL, um, you know, obviously the idea spawned from the ISL, but um Listening to Rowan Taylor talk about it the other day, it was more about how do we get our athletes ready to go over there and compete uh, with those teams and, and be amongst that because it's hard to have an Australian team. We definitely wanted to have an Australian team a part of it, but I think with travel and time zones and all that sort of stuff, it might have been a little bit more difficult. So they're, they're going to start their own league of the ASL and, and incorporate um, you know, the juniors and, and Paralympians and all that sort of stuff in it as well. How excited are you to have a bit of a change in our own format here in Australia as a coach? Yeah, it's going to be awesome. Um, and again, it's just something different. So, you know, the ASL, it'll come, you know, towards the back end of, of next year and, and every year after that. So it's coming after the major championship meet. So you could get a mix of Australian team swimmers that don't want to travel the world put their hand up to race in that sort of event but it just gives an opportunity for the junior level swimmers or people just on the cusp of making the australian team to race you know we, we train all year round people training you know 46 or 48 weeks a year but really only racing at a high level two or three times a year so it just gives that promotion of racing 
the promotion of the sport, um, more opportunities to get that on on live TV and and get sponsorship for that event, and more people involved in in the fun part of the sport, which is which is the competition. So I think it's going to be popular, and um, it'll just be a, again a good promotion of of racing. Yeah, absolutely. I, I don't think it can hurt to try something different, and definitely. I think our sport is crying out for that, mate. There's nothing worse than being out at Homebush or Chandler for eight or nine hours. Uh, the definitely that the parents and the swimmers and everyone's been crying out for something a little bit quicker and a little bit more fast pace and, you know, finger on the pulse type stuff like we see with rugby league and, uh, you know, other sports like that, that, you know, what is it, 90 minutes to two hours, you're in, you've enjoyed yourself and then you're out. So it's good to see that. Swimming Australia have taken, as I said, the pulse of what's going on in the world and they've made some changes accordingly and are looking to the future. Yeah, well, we see that in other sports. There's obviously, um, you know, as we're both rugby league fans in pre-season, they've got the nines tournament, rugby league nines. There's obviously rugby sevens, which is an Olympic sport now. Um and, and T20 cricket. Yeah. Yeah. Big bash, which, which there's a lot of money involved in that overseas as well. So, and there is, um, I'm not sure what it's called, but the, the tennis where it's only four games per set in tennis. So the other sports are doing it. It's, it's, it's the time is now for us to, to catch up and, and to change. And um, I think that's just exciting to be a, a, an up and coming swimmer in Australia with all these opportunities coming up. And, and like we said, with, with the Brisbane Olympic Games in 11 years' time, um, I think, and and coming off our best ever Olympics result, sport can really just snowball its success into something like the ASL um, and into future um, Commonwealth Games and Olympic results. Yeah, absolutely. I think there's going to be some teething problems at first, as there always is, but no doubt they'll get ironed out, and hopefully. Uh, this is going to be a really successful program long into the future. Mate, let's get stuck into um, the ISL Season 3, kicked off. Um, with you know the first match, which was Energy Standard, uh, Aqua Centurions, Toronto Titans, and DC Tridents. Um, obviously, Energy Standard come away with the win. They're very close. I think the the Toronto Titans actually had a really good second match and and moved up into second place on the the point score. And it was actually it turned out really close. But uh, Energy Standard with their team of uh, absolute superstars get the win here. Yeah, so just to, to debrief everybody who, who may, might not be familiar with the ISL, this is the, the third year that it's been running. So this is season three. So Energy Standard um, won the first season in 2019 and their owner or their, their boss is actually the one promoting the whole ISL. So they do have the team with, with the big name swimmers and, and full of superstars, um, but they were beaten last year in season two by Kayla Dressel and the Cali Condors. So as we go through the rosters, they're, they're going to be the two major players again. Um, but coming off an Olympic year now, um, as we saw in match one, Energy Standard were looking a little bit vulnerable. They, they did swim all of their big-name swimmers, people like Sarah Sostrand, um, Siobhan Jorge, and um, Bernadetta Pilato on the women's side, mm. and on the men's side, Chad LeClough and the Russian guys, um, Evgeny Rilov, who won both backstroke golds at the Olympics, and, and Kolesnikov as well. Um, but they weren't as dominant, um, like you spoke about. So coming off the Olympic year, what we're going to see is what stars are in shape, who's, who's been training in this, this six-week gap since the Olympic Games finished, um, you know, how seriously has everyone been taking their training, um, 
and for the Australians as well, not not every swimmer, especially the Australians, are competing in, in every single match. So there is an opportunity to, to sit out some regular season matches and then um, join the team again later on in the season um, as the finals are around uh, Christmas time, I think, at the end of the year. Mm-hmm. Um, but we did see Energy Standard swim all of their stars, but, but they only narrowly got the win over, over the Toronto Titans, who are a new team, and um, the Aqua Centurions, who are based in Italy. Um, but in that match one, we saw um, Chad LeClos, short course superstar, did, did his thing and won, um, won the 200 butterfly, won both butterfly races, and then w- just narrowly won the skins event as well, which is which equates to about triple points, um, the 50-meter butterfly skins. Um, and up until before the skins, the, the skins were the last event. It was a pretty close match between, between those three teams. Um, and I think Energy Standard weren't even leading going into the skins, but but Leclo and, and Sarah Sostrom won both the men's and women's skins, which just kicked them over the line with those um, triple points to, to get the victory. Yeah, it's definitely handy having those uh, superstars and I, I guess, you know, race experienced veterans who, who know what it's, it takes to, to make sure they, you know, get on the wall when is needed. Yeah, short course racing is, is very different to long course racing. So that's definitely going to be a saving grace for some of these guys where it's more focused on the skills and the underwater part than it is about just the, the pure straight swimming and the endurance needed to do that. So the, the racing experience from, from those two swimmers, like I mentioned, they're, you know, that's sort of my, my generation and my era of, of swimmer where they're, where they're close to 30 or they might even be 30 years old. Um, so they've just done that so many times before, like a guy like, um, Chad LeCloak can swim probably three or four seconds over his 200 meter butterfly PB and still comfortably win a, a competition race, um, like, like a regular season ISL match. Um, so that, that definitely weighs in, in their favor is, is probably the star power and the experience for them. But, but where they came undone a little bit was, was their overall depth. And especially in the the longer distance races as well, the 400 meter races and some of the relays too. So going through some of the rosters, the the best balanced team with with a couple of stars is is going to be the strongest team because you do need to field um, depth across your relays and across those endurance, which which is where some of the the low ranked teams um, start to get a little bit thin. Absolutely. Um- and, uh, you know, as I said, we, we've got quite a few Australians over there in and amongst it. Uh, you know, I know Maddie Wilson's over there. As I said, Matt Temple, um, Brendan Smith uh, are over there. Liam Neal, I saw uh, pull out a pretty good 400 um, as well. Yeah, that, those, those Aussies you mentioned, they didn't come back to Australia after the Olympic Games. So they didn't have to do that, that two-week um, quarantine period um, mm. and obviously don't have to do that travel. So... The Aussies that we'll, we'll see coming up later on, they obviously missed a big chunk um, of training, quarantining in a hotel, and then they're travelling, you know, to Australia and then and then back over across the other side of the world to Europe. So we'll see what sort of shape some of those guys um, are in later in the season, like like Emma McKean and, and Kyle Chalmers. But someone like Maddie Wilson, um, who, who kept up her training and, she swam really well, in, especially in that 100 and 200 freestyle, which she's, which she's so good at. Mm. And she becomes um, the LA current. She's a really valuable swimmer because she's, she's versatile. 
She can swim the, the backstroke events as well. And she's crucial on those relays too. So what we could see on, on a, as this season goes on is, say, a swimmer like Maddie Wilson, who's, who's an individual Olympic finalist, but, you know, not a, not a medalist and not a world record breaker. But she could actually come out to be one of the stars of, of this ISL season. Yeah, I was going to say to you, it is very interesting, isn't it, with this season because we've got, as you said, swimmers who, you know, um, are only coming for a brief period. Um, I know I'm pretty sure um, David Popovici is, you know, he's a part of the New York Breakers, but I don't think he, you know, he might be going if they make the semifinals, stuff like that. I, I don't think just scheduling-wise people can't get there straight away. So it's, it's interesting, isn't it? It sort of throws up uh, all sorts of possibilities. Yeah, there's there's going to be a mix of young guns, uh, young guns coming through, and then like we said, those those stars, and, and depending on how many times they they put their hand up to race. So someone like Adam Peaty for the London Raw isn't going to race until later on in the year, um, but someone like Caleb Dressel did already race in in match two, but he he swam a reduced schedule. Um, his times weren't as good as what he's obviously capable of doing, but it was still good enough to, to win a few individual events and, and be crucial on the relays. So um, overall, as this season goes on, there's there's 10 regular season matches. Um, every team's got four matches to be a part of. Um, and then the top eight teams will go to the semifinal and the top four teams will compete in the final. So it's just a matter of earning enough competition points to make sure that you're one of the top four teams to race in the final. Yeah, well, look, well done to obviously the Toronto Titans as well as I said, who who got second in that uh, in that match and and did pretty well in terms of their points. And I think they were always there and abouts. But goddamn, mate, we were talking about this just before we started. Can, can they do something with their with their logo, like fair income? And honestly, I don't want to upset anyone who who designed it, but it it just looks like something that you know. I don't even think me and you could have. I think we could have come up with something better than that. I don't understand it. Can they do something that makes them, you know, look professional? Maybe that can be a, a fan question for the podcast this week is, is uh, come up with a better logo for the Toronto Titans. But um, they're looking like a team on paper. And if they have some more success in the pool or if they find themselves in the finals, then um, they might need an upgrade for next season. That's for sure. Well, as I said, yeah, they're killing it in the pool. They're doing such a great job. They're always there and about. So I thought they did, uh, you know, brilliant job. But uh, yeah, please, someone whoever whoever's listening to this, if you work for the Toronto Titans, have a look at it. Come up with something just a little bit better. I think we can do it. Now, uh, match number two, mate, uh, had Cali Condors, LA Current, Tokyo Frog Kings. Don't get me started on their logo, and the, the New York Breakers. Um, Cali Condors, quite dominant. Uh, to be honest, in this match. I think it, it certainly wasn't as close as match one was in terms of points. I think there was something like 300 points in terms of a, a difference here between Cali Condors and uh, second place LA Current. How did you see this one and, and any standouts? Yeah, they, they really did too. Um, the Condors obviously led by Caleb Dressel and, and a new superstar um, coming for America, Norman Stewart, who broke the 100-meter backstroke world record, he smashed that world record, actually, mm. um, by almost three tenths to go 48-3, which is really fast. Um, so in, in Coleman Stewart's race, there's, um, there's a thing called jackpot time. So every swimmer has to make a certain cutoff time 
And if they don't, then the person who wins that gets their points. Um, or if you win that race by a big enough margin, then you steal other swimmers' points. So because Stuart swam so quick, mm. he, he won by such a large margin and he got the world record bonus, he got something like 37 points for that race and he, and he stole everybody else in the race's points um, and that ultimately led him the MVP for match two. So one big swim can, can change everything um, in Nisa's, but they look like a really strong team on paper um, with a lot of strong American stars, uh, Fink and Townley Haas, Kevin Cordes. So they're deep on the, on the men's side. And then on the, um, Caleb sister, uh, Caleb Dressel's sister, Sheridan Dressel actually won the sprint backstroke events. Yep. So she got two individual wins. Um, and then they've got people like Lily King and, and Olivia Smaliga still to come into the team. So they are the defending champs and, and they're going to be super strong um, in season three. And, and the fact that Dressel put his hand up to race early on in the regular season means that that they definitely want to win this, this title again. Yeah, for sure. As you said, you see a lot of those top names um, aren't getting amongst it too early on. They're having a, choosing to have a break or going home and coming back a little bit later, but he's jumped straight in there and, uh, as you said, Coleman Stewart with that world record, it's not very often if you look on an MVP standings that um, someone's ahead of, uh, of Caleb Dressel, but he was, he was number one there for match number two. Now, someone I want to just mention because we spoke so much about him through the, um, through the Olympic Games uh, was Diaceto, who you know, seems to have found a little bit of form. I don't know how super quick his times are, but he's, he seems to be putting together uh, some good swims and a little bit different to, to what he pulled out at the Olympic Games in Tokyo. Yeah, poor old Diaceto was was terribly out of form at, at his home Olympics when, you know, he had the potential to, to win a few medals or, or gold medals and, and be a star at a home Olympics. And, and I'm sure that was disappointing for him. So maybe that's been the driving factor for him to, to continue training for, for a bit of redemption in this short course season. And, um, and he's a great short course swimmer. Um, you know, less than two years ago in, in the ISL final in 2019, he broke two world records in the 200 fly and the 400 IM. So, um, you know, he's the fastest swimmer in those events in, in history. So he knows how to get the job done and he's got so much race experience under his belt and, and maybe with a bit more, a bit of redemption um, lingering in his body, um, we might actually see him do something um, quite incredible towards the back end of this season but um he's so versatile as well he, he competed in the 200 breaststroke here um he's obviously great in the im um he was on a couple of freestyle relays too so he's really one guy that can do it all for all those listeners who are you know joining us today and and might have a, a slight idea of the isl but not too much but they're keen to get around it and they're sort of dabbling in it how important is it mate do you think to be versatile in a situation like this, we hear so much with the collegiate system in America and being versatile in those sort of situations as well. Do you find this pretty similar that we're, you know, if you've got a, a team full of versatile swimmers, you, you're going to take it a long way? Yeah, definitely. And, and it's vital if, if you're a swimmer and you want to get, you want to get picked up by one of these teams, you want to sign with one of these to even get drafted in. And, um, the whole basis of these, this competition is, is, to, is to closely sort of follow um, the collegiate racing in, in the US. So 
um, like we said, there's there's 14 men and 14 women um, a part of these teams. But in the relay events, you need to field two teams. So you need eight of your 14 swimmers need to be racing in the 4x100 freestyle relay and 4x100 medley, medley relay. So we're seeing, you know, pure breaststrokers swim in freestyle relays. Um, you're seeing people like Diaceto have to swim on the B team of his 4x100 freestyle relay team because you need to do it for the team, you know. So you swim swimming not individually, you're swimming for a reason bigger than yourself um, and you, you've got to just put in your best effort to, to compete. So having that versatility um, is a big lucrative um, factor for these coaches to have you a part of their team because there's going to be a point in time where you're going to be asked to, to swim or race an event that, that you don't want to do um, and you've got to have the ability to, to try and step up and do that. So um, then everyone needs to be versatile to, to, to back up their relays, but you also need to um, have enough energy and enough focus to, to still be um, really good at your main events that you've been picked to to swim for. Hey, absolutely well said. And yeah, as I said, for all the listeners out there, um, make sure you're getting around the ISL. I think, Bobby, you were telling me it's on KO as well for anyone who's looking for it because that might be another question made of people want to watch it, but where can they see it, especially here in Australia? Yeah, it's on KO. Um, it's on the KO app, so it, it popped up on mine last night um, and I watched the first couple of matches on, on re-watching it live. Um, the time difference isn't too good. Um, it, previously, last year, it was on the, the Channel 7 app, so I'm not sure if, if they're just lagging a little bit there and if they're going to get it, but um, it's definitely on KO. Yeah, very nice, mate. Now, obviously... Um We've still got a few more teams to, to see in action. Uh, we've got match three that I, th- I think is coming up uh, maybe tomorrow, I think. There's a, a match three tomorrow. Is there any standout teams that we haven't seen in action yet that, that you're looking forward to seeing? Obviously, we've got the London Raw. Um, you know, I'm a, I'm a London Raw fan. Um, obviously, usually has a lot more um, Australians in that team. I think Rob Woodhouse is the manager of that team. Is that right? Yeah, Rob Woodhouse is, is that manager um, who's Rob's an Australian guy, Olympic medalist, um, based in, in London. And I think he's Adam Peaty's manager and he's also the um, Emma McKeon's uncle. So there's ties to that family. Um, they're going to be strong. They were in the finals the last two years but haven't had enough firepower to, to get the victory. Mm. But they've got Emma McKeon, Kate Campbell, Kyle Chalmers in that team. So you know, they're going to be strong. Um, Duncan Scott and Tom Dean, the two the two British superstars as well. So London Raw, definitely a team to watch out for. And, and the other team that we haven't seen so far um, is is the Iron team from from Hungary, which is Katinka Hoshu, is the um, is the leader of that squad. So it'll be interesting to see how, how Katinka is also backing up after her um, slightly disappointing Olympic campaign. Um, and they've got other swimmers like, like Cromer with Jojo, um, Christoph Milak, who's an Olympic champion now, and um, the Turkish swimmer Emre Sachi in the breaststroke, who um, who who beat Adam Peaty a couple of times last year in the short course season. He's he's a man mountain and, and super powerful. So those teams are going to be exciting. And, and I think the other one that we we didn't really speak too much about was was the LA Current. So the other Californian team from the US, um, just to because they got Tom Shipp, an amazing short course swimmer, and, and Ryan mm. Murphy, um, as well as 
um, Beryl Gastadello, which I know you've had on the podcast a couple of times, and, and she's a great short course swimmer, and yep. Bronte Campbell and Maddie Wilson. So there's there's a lot of depth there. There's a lot of guys that can can back up and swim on relays and swim multiple events. So to me, um, if we're going to pick it now, are we going to make predictions again? That's probably no, let's my top four. Let, let's, <laughs> no, let's not. It didn't go very well for us the last time we did predictions for the Olympics, that's for sure. But just uh, in the defense of the London Raw from last year, only because, you know, I'm a fan, so I want to sort of, but, you know, we had, as I said, a lot of Australians that are on that team as well, um, more the superstar side of, of the team. And um, obviously last year, the, you know, the Australians couldn't go. I think there was only a few Aussies that competed in season two of the ISL. So that definitely depleted, uh, you know, the London rule last year. I don't think we're going to see that this year. So it might be good, you know, to see them uh, somewhat of full strength and, and firing on all cylinders again. Yeah, that was, that was a big hit for them that um, I think Emily Seabom was the only Aussie to race in ISL season two. Um, so the London Roars two years ago was mostly made up of Australians and, and British swimmers, but there's definitely a, a bigger even mix of it now. Um, my only worry with, with the Aussies is I'm not sure how strong they're going to be competing in the next couple of weeks. Um, someone like Emma McKeon did two weeks in quarantine and then gone into lockdown in New South Wales. So I'd say she hasn't touched the water in the last six weeks since Tokyo. Yeah. Um, she's obviously she's a great swimmer. She's I'm sure she's going to be great, but she's not going to be breaking world record or winning races by a wide margin. Um, and I'm not sure what what the broom they're either. on paper. They've definitely got the the capacity to compete with the top teams, but just looking at it again, in front of me, the the Cali Condors. You've got a majority of the swimmers coming from from the US um, mm. who are training right now, coming from a college base and and a lot of swimmers that weren't on the Olympic team, like a Sheridan Dressel or a Justin Ress, um, Coleman Stewart, who have been in training and now they're looking at this as as their peak of the year, you know? So those swimmers and, and rosters built up of those swimmers are going to be dangerous. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right, mate. And it's going to be <laughs> interesting. I was talking to Duncan Scott uh, the other day and that interview actually comes out today, but... Um, yeah, he was saying he's obviously a London Raw guy, but he hasn't, you know, done too much uh, in terms of work and he, he's not sure how he's going to be feeling. And he's, uh, he's he said it's definitely going to be something he's going to work back into, that's for sure, and maybe not to expect any, uh, you know, setting the world on a light uh, from, from meet one, that's for sure. Yeah, yeah, we'll wait and see. And, and I, again, I think it's just trying to get um, – the team into the semifinals. So, so the regular season goes pretty much through this month of September. Mm. And then I think I've got to double check the dates, but the semifinal and the final are in, are in November or December at the back end of the year. So definitely by then the, the better swimmers and, and these superstar swimmers should be starting to find some form. Um, but obviously you, you, the team's going to have to do enough to, to be in a position to be in one of the top four teams to be in that final so that, so that the superstars can do their do their thing. So um, the depth is going to be super important um, through the regular season. Absolutely, mate. Now, me and you always like to keep these chats pretty short and sweet, but we can't finish without um, having a, a quick chat about obviously the Australian team over in Tokyo right now, the Paralympic team um, doing such a phenomenal job. If, if you know, we thought the Olympians did a great job. These guys have taken what they've done and, and gone over and continued it. Um, to this point, to my knowledge, I don't know if it's changed, but in the pool, we've got 24 
medals at the moment, five gold, eight uh, silver and, and 11 bronze. Um, just look at the names that have, have, you know, been killing it at the moment over there. Jasmine Greenwood, uh, Tim Hodge, Lakeisha Patterson, uh, Will Martin, um, you know, Ellie Cole. I, the list goes on and on. Um, you know, what a, <laughs> I, I, don't, I almost got tongue-tied because there's so many different names. That's the hardest part in terms of uh, Paralympics because there's so many different um, classifications and so we're killing it across the board at the moment so i don't want to keep saying names because i don't want to miss anyone because we're doing a phenomenal job my question to you is how good is it to see uh you know the aussies continuing that success and how important is it do you think for paralympics in australia and getting support behind the team it's crucially important because it's it's one team now you know it's the olympic team and the paralympic team but together they're they're the Australian Dolphins. Um, so they definitely identify as, as one team. So I'm sure they are inspired by, um, you know, the best Olympic team in, in history in, in Tokyo. And, and now the Paralympic team's already got, as you mentioned, five golds and, and 24 medals, which, which is huge. But it just shows that swimming's such an inclusive sport now. Mm. Um, there's people competing from all different classifications. There's there's specialist um, high-performance power programs in Australia right now, and and that's only going to keep growing and growing, coming off the back of, of this success, and then again leading in into the next ten years into a home Olympics. So um, I think on on paper that the Paralympic team um, has generally brought home more medals than than the Olympic team. Um, so with just a couple of days of competition left. We'll see if they can get another four gold medals to to equal what the um what the Olympic team brought home. Absolutely, cheering them on, um, Ahmed Kelly, um, you know Grant Patterson, uh, Ruby Storm, Ruby Storm. There's a name for you. Keep a keep a reminder of that name, Ruby Storm. I think that's the name of a superstar. And I was loving watching. I think she got a bronze in the hundred fly. But my my favorite part was just how you know her reaction when she noticed that she got a bronze. Um, that's exactly what we're involved in the sport for was to see uh, that sheer jubilation. Um, so yeah, congratulations to everyone that that's killing it at the moment over there. As I said, I can go on and on. Congratulations to all the coaches as well. Um, many of which you know we're friends with as well, and they're having tremendous success over there. So congratulations to the Dolphins team on a whole. Just on a side note, mate, just something that's obviously been circulating around lately and I think it's is topical and, and needs to be spoken about. What do you think of, uh, you know, the Paralympians not getting the same sort of rewards for effort that the Olympians are getting? I think it was something around $20,000 for a gold medal for an Olympian, uh, $0 for a Paralympian. Yeah, that's uh, I saw that on, on a news article on that as well and that's disappointing to see. Um, I, I don't have any context as to say, well, I don't know what's that, what that has been in the past. Mm. If, if, it, if the Paralympic team has ever gotten um, financial incentives to bring home medals, but I'm sure with, with the world that we live in now, that, that that's going to change in the future. And there are people to petitioning to, to try and make that change in the future. Um, obviously the, the able-bodied athletes get, I think it was $20,000 for a gold medal, but, um, on the overall listing of, of I guess, the, what the government pays the athletes per medal, Australia, we're one of the lowest countries um, ranked overall, even though, again, we, we continue to, to punch above our weight, especially in the pool, and, and bring home so, medal, so many medals for a, a country with a, a small population. But 
we saw in some of those Asian countries that it was it was two hundred thousand dollars per per mm. medal or, or something ridiculous like that. I think um, Siobhan Jorge from Hong Kong with with two silver medals brought home like half a million dollars in purely in prize money, not even sponsorship money. So um, it's disappointing on, on the Paralympian side, but it'd be great to see that incentive brought up on on both sides. Um, and I think with uh, again with with our home Olympics, we should see those numbers start to increase. They, they can only get bigger and the interest should be increased and the success is increased and I think the reward should be increased. Absolutely. Couldn't agree more, mate. And I think there is a GoFundMe page actually out there um, if anyone wants to get around that. I think there's a people are putting money towards, um, you know, donating money to the to the Paralympians for when they get home to, to get incentives for their efforts. And, you know, for anyone out there that's been around um, a para-athlete or coached a para-athlete or trained with a para-athlete, um, you know exactly what these guys go through each and every day, how hard they work, um, you know, and ask yourself when you get to see these guys on the Paralympics on TV uh, in the situations that they're in, would you still be training and getting in and working that hard if you were in that situation? I think, to be honest, quite a lot of us would probably say, no, nah, I don't know if I would be. So, you know, you've got to tip your hat to, to the effort that these guys and girls put in, you know, day in, day out, every Paralympic cycle, uh, especially those who have been around quite a, a while now, you know, like your Ellie Coles and your Brendan Halls. Um, so, yeah, look, tip of the hat to those guys. I, I definitely agree with you, mate. I think they deserve a hell of a lot more uh, incentives and, and as do the Olympians here in Australia. So hopefully, mate, hopefully we're, we can create some change. I definitely know that um, those statistics have gone viral in terms of everyone having a look at them. That's how that GoFundMe page was created. So, uh, the more we can talk about it, the more change we can create. Um, and I think it's just going to be better for Australia in general. Yeah, I couldn't have said it better myself. And and I think the the sport and, and, and on both sides of it, it's we've really got an ability to to grow this right now through through the podcast, through the Australian Swimming League, the International Swimming League, the success of of all of our swimmers. They they all deserve so much more, you know. Um, I think no one really gets into the sport of swimming to, to try and become rich or to try and make money from it. But it is a lifetime of, of sacrifice and, and um, everybody putting in long, long hours of, of training and, and the highs and lows associated with that. So the reward, I think, definitely can be, can be equal to that of, of other sports. Um, and, but first, the, the sport of swimming has got to get some, some more exposure. So I think the future looks really bright um, for all junior swimmers and, and senior level swimmers right now um, in Australia. Absolutely, mate. Now, it's going to be even made brighter by the fact that uh, you and I, mate, are going to have a few more chats over the next week or two weeks or three weeks. We're definitely going to keep on top of the ISL uh, season number three throughout you know, the regular matches going into the finals as well. Uh, as I said, mate, you are our expert analyst and you did a tremendous job uh, today with all your uh, brilliant knowledge. Um, I've said it before and I'll say it again. You definitely bring uh, the knowledge to this podcast. Um, I'm basically feeding you the questions, but sometimes you're saying stuff and even I'm just sitting here getting impressed. Like, God damn, look, this guy, he's, he's really done his research. So, mate, thank you very much for coming on. For all the listeners out there, who are big fans of the ISL. As I said, it's on KO. Um, keep, you make sure you keep a check on Instagram as well. That's, they're really good in terms of keeping you up to date with when the matches are coming on and uh, what the point scores are like and all that sort of stuff. 
So make sure you're following it on there and, and keep locked on to here and off the blocks. Myself and Bobby are definitely going to be, as I said, staying on top of the ISL in season three. Uh, maybe even a few um, special guests uh, coming on the show from the ISL over there as well, which I'm excited for. I don't want to give too much away, but just saying, just keep a listen out because there's going to be some special guests coming on for a chat, mate. But until then, thank you very much for, for coming on and having a chat with me. All things swimming. Until next time, Robbie. Mate, I love it. All things swimming. Make sure you say that next time as well. <laughs> <laughs> Cheers, buddy. All right. See ya. Oh, 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 oh,